You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. And uh, anyway, that was a blessing. I was studying this morning about one o'clock. And as I was studying and preparing for today, uh, the, that song was one of the songs that tied in with this message. And so this morning I asked Brother Matthew, he didn't know the song either. Uh, I don't know, Stephen, did you know the song? Uh, he had heard the song before, Brother Matthew didn't know the song at all. And so this morning about 7.30 I asked Brother Matthew to uh, see if he could work that out to make that happen. And so that was, that was a blessing. All right, look at your Bible tonight here in Psalm chapter number 9. And when we look in this passage of Scripture, we find that uh, David is the one who is penning uh, this passage. Now, if there is anybody in the Bible that understood something about opposition, David was somebody that understood opposition. We, we know that there are many people that went through great trials. There are a lot of people that experienced troubles. I mean, you think about Daniel, you think about Joseph, you think about uh, the th- three Hebrew boys. You th- there are many people that went through some great trials. Job went through some great trials. But when you talk about somebody who, who faced not just opposition that somebody didn't like them, people who wanted to kill him. David's entire life was filled with battles. Matter of fact, God would not let him build the temple, though he had a heart for that, because God said that he was a bloody man. He had been into so many battles, and David was an individual who understood opposition. He understood what a refuge was. When we think about Psalm chapter number 9, I want you to look with me again at verse number 9. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. Notice here there that word time. It's not singular. It's plural. A refuge in times of of trouble. Have you ever been through a time of trouble? Have you ever got through a time of trouble and said, man, I'm glad that's over? How many of you are ready for 2020 to be over? But whether or not 2020 is over, and even if 2021 happens, and everything just completely mellows out, we will still face times of trouble. It is not unique for 2020 for there to be trouble. It is not unique for us to need shelter, security, safety. It is something that we need all the time. And here when we look at this psalm, we see that uh, David, he ran to the Lord. And he shows us in this chapter how God saved the king. He saved David from all of his oppressions. But he also shows how God shelters his people. 
And I don't know about you, there's great comfort in knowing that God not only sees, but that God will be a shelter in a time of storm. And so here, when we think about that, verse 9, a refuge in times of trouble. And that's the title of the message tonight. Father, we do pray. Lord, we have come before you tonight, and we are so thankful. Lord, you said that your house would be called the house of prayer. And Lord, we pray that that would not just be a title, it wouldn't just be a quip that we would state, but Lord, that we really would be a people that would come before you. We need you. And Lord, we desire your workings in our life. We desire your will to be done. But Lord, we desire your help because we face times and troubles and, and situations that we can't do anything about. But Lord, you can. And Lord, you said that you would be a refuge in times of trouble. I pray that you would help us now as we look at these, these truths. For Christ's sake, amen. So David here was was understanding of this thing called a refuge. And the word refuge simply means a stronghold. It means a structure. It was a place of security. And you know, uh, in, in times gone by, people say, well, we lived out in the country and we never locked our doors. Uh, how many of you have ever said that? Uh, I don't ever remember that. Uh, as a child, I guess when we were in, out in the country, uh, we wouldn't lock the doors. Uh, but it didn't take long that uh, problems come there as well. Uh, and we would lock the doors. Uh, but uh, having a house and having locks on your doors, it, it is a structure. And there is an assumed amount of security that's there. There is, a, there is an inferred amount of security but if you've ever had your house broken into, there is an awakening that we are not as secure as we thought. There is a sense of violation because somebody came into your personal space. Now, when we think about a place of security, a place, a structure uh, of, of safety, David is saying, I'm not looking for a building. I'm not looking for a home. I'm not looking for a castle. I'm not looking for walls to put around me. He was somebody who recognized that God was his refuge. God was his refuge. Uh, the Lord, the one that we can't see, you know, we can see the walls, we can see the doors, we can see the locks. We can't see the Lord. But David had a faith that he was recognizing that the Lord was his refuge. And uh, this is, is not just a statement, this is a promise. This is telling us that the Lord is re a refuge in times of trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to take advantage of the opportunities that I have. If, if I have safety in the Lord, I want to make sure that I don't miss out on that. I don't want to miss that, that protection uh, that's there. And the Old Testament saints were very aware of the need of a refuge. Uh, and, and the Lord even went beyond uh, the need of a refuge. Uh, and, and He even gave and instituted something called cities of refuge. 
These cities of refuge uh, were places that someone who had a problem, they could run to this city and they would, they would find safety within the walls of that city. Now, uh, take your Bibles and go with me to Numbers chapter number 35. In Numbers chapter 35, God's people are getting ready. They're going to go into uh, Canaan. And the Lord tells them, when you go into Canaan, uh, what's going to happen is, I want you to set aside six cities of refuge. Now, these cities of refuge, these were places where someone uh, who had an accident, somebody who had a problem, maybe, maybe they were working and, and there was somebody that got injured and, and they ended up dying. Well, uh, in the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. There, the judgment and the justice that was enacted, it wasn't enacted always, it wasn't by a police officer, though they did have courts and they did have uh, uh, judges and judgments that would take place. Uh, but if someone killed somebody, uh, there was somebody that was called the revenger of blood. They were the person who, in that wrong, if they were wrong, they could exact judgment as they saw fit. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Now, that was how society ran in those days. And so, with that, God said, uh, there is a need for a place called a refuge. And God, in His plan, in His omniscience, He recognized the need for this. And so He told him, when you go into Canaan, I want you to take, and, and you're going to have three cities on this side of Jordan, and three cities on that side of Jordan, and you are going to uh, sparse, uh, you're going to put those cities there. Historians tell us that those cities were spaced about 30 miles from from outside edge of one city uh, uh, to another. So there was, uh, the city of refuge was strategically placed. So somebody within a day's journey, now a day's journey on foot was 30 miles. If you had to tell me I had to walk 30 miles today, man, that's a lot of walking right there. But that was the distance that they would travel. And so they would, they would uh, strategically place these cities of refuge. And so you had a, about a 30-mile radius. And so all of these other cities then, uh, they would uh, have their 30-mile radius. And so they placed these cities of refuge to where somebody, uh, and I'm sure there was uh, other uh, instances where it wouldn't be the case, but for the major cities... They would, within one day's journey, have the opportunity to get into this city of refuge. Uh, maybe uh, their ox killed uh, somebody, a worker, and they wanted, hey, they wanted justice. Uh, the owner of the ox would be uh, liable for that. And, and so God went through and he, he placed these cities of refuge. And let's read here in verse number 10, Numbers chapter 35. And we're going to read uh, quite a few verses because I want you to sense uh, the real need for this place called the city of, uh, city of Refuge. 
Verse number 10, Numbers uh, 35, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when ye become over unto Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall appoint your, you cities to be cities of refuge for you that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. And of these cities which ye shall give, six cities shall ye have for refuge. Ye shall give three cities on this side Jordan, and three cities shall ye give in the land uh, of Canaan, which shall be the cities of refuge. These six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, uh, that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. And if he smite him with an instrument of iron, so that he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. And if he smite him with a throwing stone, wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer, and the murderer shall be put to death. Or if he smite him with a hand weapon of wood, wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer, the murderer shall, be, uh, shall surely be put to death." The revenger of blood himself shall slay the murderer. When he meeteth him, he shall slay him. But if he thrust him out of hatred or hurl at him by lying of weight that he die, or in enmity uh, with his hand that he die, he that smote him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. The revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. But if he th thrust him suddenly without enmity, or have cast upon him anything without lying in wait, or without any, with any stone, whereof a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him that he die, and was not his enemy, neither sought his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the revenger of blood according to these judgments. And the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the revenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge, wh whither he was fled. And he shall abide in it unto the death of the high priest, which is anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of, his, uh, uh, of the city of his refuge, whither he was fled, and the revenger of blood find him without the border of the city of his refuge, and the revenger of blood kill the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he sh should have remained in the city of his refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the slayer shall return into the land of possession. So here, this, this whole event, God was not giving somebody who was a murderer a way out of judgment, but he was protecting the ones who had an incident, an accident that was not premeditated, and this somebody does die, uh, the, the person, the manslayer, could go to this city of refuge. And then, if they got to that city of refuge, then they were, they were safe at least until judgment time. And when the congregation would hear the case, then that determination was, okay, was he innocent 
or is he guilty of murder? If he was guilty of murder, then he was put out and he would be put to death. The manslayer, the avenger, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the revenger of blood, uh, that, that individual then would become uh, the, the sword of execution or justice if you would. So, so these places called the cities of refuge, people understood that when you have need and you have an enemy, there's a place that you can run to. Now, David understood all of this. He knew that this, uh, of this whole institution. But, but with that, when he is coming before the Lord, he is telling the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my city of refuge. It wasn't just that there was a place he could run to. There was a God that he could run to. You know, we don't have a city of refuge today, but we have a God of refuge today. We have one that no matter what goes on in Washington, D.C., no matter what goes on down in Sacramento, no matter what goes on in Yuba City or uh, uh, Yuba County or Sutter County or in our community, no matter what happens, you and I, may not have a city of refuge to run to, but we have a God of refuge that we can run to. And I want to just point out several things here tonight about this uh, city of refuge or this God of refuge when David said that God would be a refuge in times of trouble. Look with me again, Psalm chapter number 9, verse 4. Psalm 9 and verse 4, the Bible says, For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou saddest in the throne judging right. I, I want to tell you, first of all, tonight, uh, God, as our refuge, He maintains us. He maintains us. Uh, he maintains us. He sustains us. Uh, but God, uh, he, is, he maintains us. Thou hast maintained. Thou hast maintained my right and my cause. That's pretty amazing to think that God, we could come before God with rights. Now think about it. What rights do we have with God? God has given us rights. We possess rights. The right of life, that is a gift of God. That's, that's a right that God has given to us. Our breath, that is a right that God has given to us. Uh, the life He has entrusted us with. There are rights that we possess, God-given rights. Uh, we, we, we look at our constitutional rights, and though they may be trampled on, uh, all the constitutional rights that we have been given, uh, they were given to us before by God before they were ever given to us uh, by a constitution. And God uh, David comes before the Lord and he's saying, God is my, he maintains my rights and, and the, the, the ability, that freedom, uh, the rights that we have uh, for life. Uh, those are rights that God has given and he maintains those. He maintains our rights. God main, maintains our cause. Our cause. The the things that we live for. You know, isn't it wonderful that we can have purpose? You wake up in the morning, and though sometimes we may get overwhelmed with the rat race of life, 
you wake up and you go to work to come home, take care of some bills, go to sleep so you can get up and go to work. And, and I understand there are, there, are, there, there are some pressures just in life, but, but the cause, the purposes that we have. David was looking at the Lord and saying, listen, everything that I have, you're the one that protects all of it. You protect my rights. You protect my cause. You maintain me. Uh, the purposes, the needs. Uh, you know, in life, uh, we, we all have needs. Who is our refuge for our needs? Is our, is our refuge our bank account? Is, is our refuge our intellect? Is our refuge our arsenal? I'm for that. Or is our refuge in God? Is He the one that we really trust? If, if he is the one that we really trust, wouldn't we go to him first instead of last? If he is our, our refuge, and when we have our fears, do we take our fears to the Lord? Do we, we take our foes to the Lord? The problems that come. David points out the, the opposition. He points out all of the, uh, the enemies that come. The need for justice. The need for uh, being declared innocent. And that's what these cities of refuge were for. For the person who was not the murderer. It wasn't for the criminal to get away scot-free. Uh, that person that went into the city of refuge uh, to try to get out of justice, uh, they, did not, they did not shield them from absolute justice. Uh, they were still uh, going to be tried uh, for what was there. But David here, he's saying, Lord, I'm coming to you. You are my refuge. Uh, you're the one that I need uh, for uh, my, my protection. So we see that the Lord maintains us. Thou hast maintained my right, my cause. Thou saddest in the throne, judging right. He was saying, Lord, you see everything that's going on. I don't know how many times I've talked to the Lord over all of the election issues. But the Lord knows. And you know what? He judges rightly. Now, does that mean that our electors will all judge rightly? I don't know. But God always judges rightly. When opposition comes our way, when problems come our way, God judges rightly. So he maintains us. Secondly, he ministers to us. Verse number eight. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. God ministers justice. For us. What a blessing. Now, God's justice isn't always in our favor. God's justice is always right, but it doesn't mean that we will get what we want. But here, uh, we see that He shall minister judgment uh, to the people in uprightness. God's actions are always right. Do we believe that? Amen. And 
His, his actions are always right. Righteous judgment. When oppression comes, we want to have confidence that, the, uh, that having a, a judge who would be just, and God is that judge who is always just. Uh, when mistreatment, when misunderstandings happen, when someone is misinformed or misguided and attacks come our direction, we want somebody who is neutral, somebody who can look at it and see, hey, this this is not right. Uh, we want somebody that, that has that, that uprightness and that justice and judgment uh, that will be appropriate. And that's who God is. God is that one who is the refuge for us. But we have to uh, come before him. The Lord is our refuge. He is who we are to retreat to. He knows the injustices of life. We will all be misunderstood. We will all have someone who betrays us. We will all have things that happen and we will look at it and say, that's just not fair. There are things that I've had happen in my life and I, I look at it and it's like, man, that wasn't, that wasn't right. That wasn't fair. That wasn't just. But God never treats us unjustly. God is always just. You know, the score hasn't been settled yet. The game's not over yet. And God will, will work. So here we see that uh, he, he, uh, the Lord maintains us. He ministers to us. And then uh, we see here also that he is merciful to us. He's merciful. Look at verse number 12. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest, liftest up uh, liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. What do we find here? We find David crying out to the Lord, uh, a prayer for help. You know, the individual that was in trouble and during these days, they had to do something. They could not just say, I'm innocent. They couldn't just say, I need help. They couldn't just say, God, uh, just take care of this for me. God instituted these cities of refuge, and they had to go to that city of refuge. If they were innocent, they had to go. If they wanted a court hearing, they had to go. They had to, they had they had to go outside what was inconvenient. I don't know about you, but I think a 30-mile walk is inconvenient. I think having to flee for your life is inconvenient. But these individuals, if they wanted that protection, if they wanted that refuge, they had to do whatever it took to get to that right location. And let me tell you something. Uh, it only takes a bowed knee to get to the Lord. It only takes a humble heart. It only takes a repentant uh, uh, attitude and, and heart to come before the Lord. It, it only takes us just a moment to be able to be in the presence of the Almighty. And David is saying, listen, Lord, you are my refuge in times of trouble. 
Doesn't it sound easy? It's a lot easier than having to travel. But the reality is, if there was a city of refuge and people could travel to it and take care of their problem on their own, they would do it. But how often do we have needs? How often do we face problems and we try to figure it out ourselves? The Lord is our refuge in times of trouble. Let's not miss that opportunity. It's far better than a city of refuge. We can come into God's presence anytime. Father, we are so thankful that you love us so much that you would even care, you would even allow us to come before you. And now, Lord, we come before you just asking that you would help us. Lord, to, to recognize when needs are there, may, may we run to you first. May our, may our hearts, may our, our minds be uh, drawn to you to where we recognize you are the one that we should be running to. You are our refuge. Lord, as whatever problems life throws our way, relational problems, health problems, financial problems, spiritual problems, God, you are the one that we need. And I pray that you would help us this evening. Lord, help us. To just run to you. You are our refuge in times of need. As the instruments play, heads bowed, our eyes are closed. Just talk to the Lord right there where you're at. Maybe you've found yourself in some burdens and problems and you're trying to deal with them yourself. We can only do so much. But the Lord can take care of everything. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.